0: Hello and welcome to the Student Council, an educational advice podcast made for students and by students where everyone is qualified to talk about their own experiences. I am Carter Dvorak and today I am so excited to be joined by somebody you might know from your For You page on TikTok, at least he's all over mine. This is Chris Vasquez from the Washington Post TikTok account. Chris, how are you? Thank you so much for coming on today.
1: I'm good, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, so I wanna ask, before we get into any of the other fun questions, do you have a favorite five minutes from the past week?
1: uh so yesterday i was interviewed by a marvel podcast that i listened to a lot and so it was fun to just kind of like geek out specifically there were five minutes where i went like way too in the weeds about a certain comic book storyline that i'm a big fan of and nobody asked any questions anybody else would have shut me up in any other context but for those five minutes i was just going at it and it was great
0: that's incredible drop the podcast by the way what's the what's the marvel show Uh, it's
1: called this week in marvel i'm not sure when my episode is coming out but it will be out one day
0: okay i have to check that out i've been deep in the weeds of like star wars content recently with everything with andor but i need to get back into mcu and stuff
1: yeah i'm an aspiring star wars nerd haven't quite gotten there yet
0: that's fair you'll get there you'll get there um okay so i'm so excited to have you on talk about all things washington post but before that um when i was looking you up i found you were a northwestern alum which is very cool he's studying journalism there. I'm curious before that, like, so what drew you to Northwestern and kind of what led you to doing journalism following this career path?
1: Yeah, so the journalism program is what drew me to Northwestern. And what drew me to journalism was, you know, I was privileged enough to go to a high school that had a pretty built up broadcasting program. And I had always been kind of like an English nerd. And when it came time to start thinking about what do I want to do when I grow up? What do I want to maybe major in in college? um the that broadcasting program had just won this big national award at a competition and i thought maybe i'll check that out because you know a career in storytelling seems like something that i could get into and so i checked it out um a lot of my friends were in at the time too so that was a big factor in pulling me in all my friends quit shortly after but i stayed because i ended up just falling in love with it i loved specifically working with video i had gone in thinking okay i'll do broadcast in high school and then switch over to something more print centric in college or at some other point. But I ended up loving working with video. I loved figuring out, you know, what will make the shot work? How do I put all these puzzle pieces together while editing a video in a way that just makes it all flow together? Um, And that just kind of sparked my love for journalism and video journalism specifically. And then I knew I wanted to do digital video because I was looking at the work that I was doing in high school and also looking at what was coming out on, you know, local news broadcasts or national news broadcasts that were really valuable work, but that weren't exactly lined up with exactly what I wanted to be doing. And I felt like there was a lot more creative space uh, in web video to kind of just do things that were a more, you know, doc style or more explanatory or more just a little bit out there in general. And that really excited me. So I went to Northwestern, joined the video desk of the Daily Northwestern, our student paper. So I was making videos for our YouTube channel and that kind of drew me into yeah uh, the world of professional digital video journalism um i Summer after my freshman year, I didn't have anything lined up in terms of internships. So I just made a documentary with some friends from high school and that was a lot of fun. Summer after my sophomore year, I was a multimedia fellow at the Texas Tribune. Um, Summer after my junior year was 2020 and everything was canceled. So I wasn't really doing anything. And then summer after senior year is when I landed my internship at the Washington Post's video department, um, rotating through a bunch of different teams there and eventually landing on TikTok.
0: Wow. Very cool. I didn't realize that your Washington Post internship was more than just TikTok, but I guess that makes sense. Like, how was the recruiting experience for like internships in the kind of video field? Like, is that something that, what does that usually look like?
1: So, I was, I think, pretty bad at networking in general. I was constantly cold applying to things. And so I was really lucky that. I got this internship at the post without knowing anybody in the post-fader department or talking to anybody in the post-fader department. I had applied the year before and I was rejected. Um, I applied again, but at that point I sat down with a career advisor of mine at Northwestern and I was like, can we please like go through my resume line by line, go through my personal essay line by line and every other application material I have, like line by line to make sure like this is up to par. Um, And we did that. We spent a few days on that. I sent it in and I don't know. I had that experience of just having somebody by my side to just hold my hand and be like, here's how we're going to take your application and make it better. I had never had that experience before. And I never walked away from application feeling so strong about it after that. And so- in terms of like the networking and recruiting process, I don't know how much I could speak to that, but in terms of what I did to try to make myself stand out, it was really just finding somebody who I trusted to have expertise in this, kind of figure out how to like make this stand out. I guess how to make my application like, you know, seem notable.
0: Absolutely, that's there's truly some wonderful thing to to an extra set of eyes from somebody you trust on applications. Like I love, I, you know, I love that in like the college process with like great help from teachers, and now at college with resumes and stuff, it's truly phenomenal, and. I also want to say you are a creative writing minor, if I'm not mistaken. How did you land on that?
1: That was a deep cut. I didn't know I had that like publicly anywhere. But yeah, I was a creative writing minor.
0: Was that, do you think that really is like played into your, um like, kind of your career now, like video journalism stuff too?
1: I think it did make me think a lot more of like, in terms of what works in a narrative in general, like what stories, maybe also think a lot like just exploring things that I wrote like on my own, like so much of my storytelling has been journalistic and has been, you know, I'm gonna go interview this person. I'm gonna cover this issue. I'm gonna do this, that, or the other. My creative writing minor, I had a creative nonfiction concentration. And so I think writing a lot of personal essays and reflecting a lot on what are the stories that I wanna tell about myself and my own lived experience that made me think really deeply about what are the stories that I'm drawn to out in the world that aren't necessarily about me, but that I have a connection to and that I feel Qualified to tell that I feel, you know, just interested in telling. Um, so yeah, I think in those senses, it really has helped my career right now. In terms of what drew me to that minor in general, I had just always been, you know, a book nerd, an English nerd. And I remember at some point in high school just coming across. Like creative nonfiction as a concept and being like, oh wow, this is so cool. Like I didn't realize it was even a thing, but I would read like excerpts of, you know, Joan Didion essays in my English textbook and be like, I had no idea that this was even a genre that I could explore. And I just found that really interesting. And it, I just always clung onto the back of my mind as something that I might want to do. And so when the time came to actually explore that in college through a minor, I was like, why not? And it ended up being a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I, I asked that and I i think that stuck out to me so much because I'm also I'm like very much considering that path. So I was like, yo, like I can I can talk to somebody who's gone through that and I feel like it's had a really cool career after it. Yeah, for sure. One other thing about just Washington Post, I'm curious, you have any like super memorable moments from like your experience with that now? Like any big highlights?
1: I think one big highlight in general for my time on the TikTok team has been launching my series variant cover, which is, you know, a series of explainers about identity and comic book culture. A lot of folks in the news space on TikTok that I look up to, um, I've been taking inspiration from them in the way that they will kind of break down their reporting to camera or kind of repurpose videos that they've done for other platforms and put them on TikTok. And I've been trying to look at the best elements of all those things, the things that inspire me about those approaches, and kind of trying to find a way to make that my own. I think What I've landed on is I've been having a lot of fun doing all this reporting for Variant Cover, uh, finding ways to break down my reporting on camera in a way that feels native to the app where it's not just I'm sitting down and talking to my phone, but I'm having some sort of visual gag going on that feels in line with the rest of Washington Post TikTok's tone or that's in line with a lot of other, you know, sketch comedy that's happening on the app but just bringing a journalistic lens to it. And I think being able specifically to bring in, you know, quotes from interviews. I think, like I said earlier, the biggest thing that drew me to video journalism was how fun it was piecing together that puzzle of when do I bring in my own voice? When do I bring in somebody else's? When do I bring in a third person's? And all these things. I love that kind of maneuvering of how do I get this puzzle just right so that it all fits together? And I've loved being able to do that in a way that feels native to TikTok when it comes to how I'm presenting my own narration, but also bringing in sound bites, quotes from other interviews and being able to expose my audiences to, you know, folks that I'm talking to and having these really interesting conversations with. I want them to be in on that. And I want, you know, voices that aren't my own to also be highlighted. And that has just been a really fun experience and something that I- is exciting just like as a model for what original video journalism on tiktok could look like in the future
0: yeah no i absolutely love that series and and i love everything with the washington post tiktok it does because you really nailed it when like it's funny it's the washington post but it feels like it's something that's also so ingrained in the app itself where it doesn't feel like sometimes i think you can see other like bigger media companies trying to get on tiktok and they they're just trying to kind of yeah like you said repurpose other content and that's fine and it works but you guys have really figured out a way to make the content fit within the app fit within the users and also be this like journalistic news coverage which is phenomenal thank you yeah and and i was particularly i had a lot of questions about variant cover because i love it so much how like you know you talked about what it does like how did it really come to be was there just like a moment and the lightning bolt hit and you're like yes this or did it slowly kind of morph over like a long time like how did that idea develop
1: So I think it really did start for me when I started just kind of using Marvel references to explain the news and more kind of like one day turnaround TikToks, because most of our content on our account is just like a story is in the news today. We're going to make a sketch about it or use a trend to illustrate it. I started having a lot of fun with that through the lens of just Marvel references and nerdy references in general. And so... I started looking at new stories and saying, oh, this reminds me of like this niche thing in the MCU or this niche thing in a comic book I read. And I started doing that. And it took a while for our audience to, I think, become receptive to that. But there was one day where there was an article in the post the day after the Super Bowl about here all the top Super Bowl commercials ranked. And I wrote up a TikTok script about it where my two teammates, Dave and Carmella, are going back and forth about what their favorite commercials were. But I am looking really unhinged and caffeinated with like a Wanda Maximoff doll behind Uh me talking about the Multiverse of Madness trailer that also aired during the Super Bowl. And that, like, finally broke through to Nerd Talk. Like, we got all these comments being like, I love your Wanda doll, or I also spotted this in the Multiverse of Madness trailer, or Chris, what are your theories about this? And I was like, this is the dream. Like, this is what I wanted to happen because I think oh, in my experience navigating the app, TikTok is increasingly becoming less of a place where there's one thing that's inescapable across the whole app and more of a place where there are these individual communities where there are certain trends proliferating for this group of people, whether they're connected by an identity or a fandom, whatever it may be. And I think I was able to kind of catch nerd talk at maybe the dawn of what I see as a shift toward that. And that was just a lot of fun. Like a lot of nerd talk comes to us now for news. And I think that's really special that we've been able to like tap into that niche community and, Um, So it started through that. I started just kind of like saying, oh, that story's in the news today. And this reminds me of this nerdy thing. I'm going to find a way to marry those two things. Um, So it was a few months of doing that. And then there was this thing happening internally at the post called the audience innovation labs, where basically a team in our newsroom that's devoted to reaching younger and more diverse audiences, said, um, we're going to launch this workshop where you could pitch a project with the goal of reaching younger and more diverse audiences. And I thought, you know, what about a series about identity and comic book culture? Because it's something that I just think about, you know, a lot. I have a lot of conversations with my friends about here's all this nerdy stuff that we're consuming. What does this mean representationally? What does this mean socially and politically? And I thought, you know, A, I think there's a lot of stories to tell there. There in general, because of the significance of superhero media and Marvel specifically. I think it's just become such a cultural phenomenon that it's hard to not look at it journalistically and as a big news story. Um, but on top of that, I also think that it that series could function and has been functioning in the same way that my early Marvel references in TikToks were functioning, where it's not just here's the story happening with Marvel or with superhero media or nerd culture, but also here's this general story happening politically, socially, culturally. And here is how I could give you a lens into that through pop culture. Um, so, you know, talking about the first episode of Variant Cover, it was about a new Thor movie coming out, but it was also about the history of fat phobia and its racist origins. Um, second episode was about you know, a new MCU character being introduced, America Chavez, but it was also about the complexity of Spanish as a language and Latinidad as an identity. So I think those are my favorite variant cover episodes where I could take these big, lofty ideas that, you know, are happening politically and kind of see a window into that through pop culture and specifically through nerd culture, which is what I'm most connected to.
0: Yeah. They're, again, they're phenomenal videos. Totally. If you have not seen them, check out everything the Washington Post TikTok does. I mean, the whole whole news org's pretty great but the tiktok is just something there's something special and those variant covers are phenomenal and like so do you just kind of i guess like when you're picking these ideas you just look at like the trends of the of kind of the stories at large and then the marvel trends and marry those together like is it something where are you ever at a loss of like an idea for a variant cover topic or is it always like can you always find something going on
1: i have been able to find Things going on. I think one thing that really helped me is that when I was first putting together a pitch for this series, I listed out like 10 ideas that I had just like sitting in the back of my head. And I haven't even made my way through all those ideas yet because things just keep on popping up in, you know, nerd news that I think that like that's a story for variant cover. And so, you know, if there's a new trailer that drops and I see, you know, chatter on social media about, you know, what it means from an identity lens, I'll think that's a story. Or when there's a premiere and people are talking about, I wasn't invited and here's why that matters representationally. I'll say, okay, well, that's an idea. And, you know, things will just come up in the new cycle and there'll be these evergreen kind of ideas that I had initially. And I'll be like, okay, I'm going to table those for now to deal with what's happening right now in the new cycle. And then I'll pick those back up. And I think one benefit of that is that the more that that happens, the longer I have to do on those kind of evergreen ideas and make them, I think, more complex, figure out who do I want to talk to for this? Who's the exact right people? Who, what's the exact right angle and framing for this story? What other ideas do I have? And then, you know, the audience has been really great too, about commenting with their own ideas and their own feedback about how I should be covering things, what other stories are out there that I should be looking at, um I'll get emails to the TikTok email on my own washington post email saying hey have you thought about covering this thing um so yeah it's kind of a mix of just you know that initial list of ideas that I have keeping up with the news cycle to be like what else is happening that I could cover that's kind of more timely and the audience coming at me with hey have you thought about covering this thing
0: yeah those are great i really you mentioned the premiere tiktok um which you did for for a couple of weeks ago or maybe how long it was that now time is crazy um but that was one too where i had seen that story just kind of unfolding on tiktok and then i saw your cover coverage of it and i'm like that's really cool like it seems like you're very very well in tune to what is happening in nerd culture on tiktok and all these places so again just i, I think this is just going to be a lot of props to you because i just really love everything that you're doing and this whole tiktok is doing like it's just kind of me being a fan of this too which is awesome But speaking of fans, I am just kind of curious, as a Marvel fan, do you have any favorite projects, any favorite characters, like any kind of just top things that come to mind?
1: So I am a big Wanda Maximoff stan. And so I, a big part of that was, you know, um, my senior year of college, um, when WandaVision was coming out, it was like, still mid lockdown, pre vaccine, and my roommates and I weren't really or weren't at all going out or doing anything because of, you know, that risk of transmission. And so we had this tradition of every Friday night to make it feel just a little bit special and to reward ourselves for getting through another like lockdown week. We would pick up a uh, takeout from, you know, different restaurants around Evanston and Chicago. We would bring it back home, eat it, play a board game, and then sit down and watch an episode of WandaVision. And that was really my big connection to the MCU I think not only did I love it as a series but I just felt I feel this connection now between this fandom and the people that I share it with like the closest people that I share it with and so um that was kind of why that has been my favorite MCU project and why that character has meant a lot to me just because it came to me in a time in my life where I was just really lucky to be able to share it with the people that I shared it with Um, And so I think my whole Marvel MCU fandom has just been like an extension of that. Um, And then in general, you know, I think being able to go back into this character's publication history in the comics and get connected to, you know, uh, other storylines that I've really liked and that I've caught up on other characters that I've drawn these close attachments to because I encountered them in Wanda comics or, you know, specific artists and writers who have grown to be really big fans of. Um, those are, that's kind of how my fandom is kind of like, you know, avalanched. And so I'm not sure if I've like drifted away from your original question, but in short, Wanda is my favorite MCU character. By far. Um, I'm a big webhead too. I've loved Peter Parker and Tom Holland's portrayal of Peter Parker. Uh Wakanda Forever is probably not probably, it is, I think, my favorite MCU movie of all time. And I know I watched it recently and I should still be forming opinions on it maybe, but like I think that hands down has been the most I've been affected by an MCU movie ever. Um Yeah, I hope yep. that answers your question.
0: Absolutely does. There's a No Way Home poster behind me if you can't see it by <laughs> the way. Um no, I, I completely agree with you on all those fronts. WandaVision came out in a really interesting time. Like, I remember that too in the pandemic, where, like, I think it was a really good show to come out in the pandemic because of all the, like, A, all the speculation, and B, like you said, like, the ability to kind of form these bonds over it while everybody's still kind of in these lockdown moments. But okay. totally agree. Do you think we'll see Wanda again in the MCU? Like, do you think she'll be back oh, at some point?
1: Oh, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. I... So, okay. So, I, there's so many rumors. Like, I have this one friend from high school and sometimes we'll joke because we'll be like 99% of our conversations are about Wanda Maximoff and I don't know anything about what's happening in your life outside of that <laughs> but like he'll send me like all these you know rumors about what's going to happen with Wanda in the MCU or where is she going to appear next? Or here's what Elizabeth Olsen said about the future of her character. And here's what Kevin Feige has said recently. Kevin Feige gave an interview saying that we never saw Wanda's body after a reporter asked him about the death of Wanda Maximoff. Sorry for spoilers. Uh, Wanda Maximoff is presumed dead, but um, yeah. So in short, yes, I do think so. And I do hope so. Fingers yeah. crossed.
0: Agreed. Agreed. I think so. I think. Marvel, yeah if there's, if there's not an on-screen body in the mcu there is no certainty that that character will not come back even if there uh, is um, <laughs> even if there is sometimes even if there they... is <laughs> yeah no and well, wakana forever was phenomenal as well i really enjoyed watching that film that was like that was really fun that was like the first i feel like marvel film that like my like college group of friends all got to go see together which was really really cool
1: yeah it was awesome
0: yeah i want to talk a couple other things like first of all going back to the washington post tiktok like what are you kind of hoping to see? What are you excited for for maybe the future of that account? If you can share anything about that.
1: So I think right now, the biggest thing that I've been trying to do and the biggest challenge I've been facing recently is striking this balance between making like one day turnaround TikToks, like I was doing before variant cover while still balancing all the work that variant cover requires. And I think I've been doing a better job of that, especially in the past couple of weeks. But I would love to get to a point where I could do these daily turnaround TikToks and still have an episode of Variant Cover as frequently Have they've been coming out, and also use Variant Cover as a model for other original reporting projects on TikTok that I'd love to take on. Because as much as I love comics, as much as I've loved diving into comics journalism, there's a lot of other beats that I want to explore and a lot of other stories that I'd love to, you know, kind of dive into. Um, So in terms of the future of the account, that's something that I am hopeful for and that I definitely want to experiment with. It is just going to take more of me figuring out how could I do this in a way that, you know, isn't in a way that doesn't become draining. And in a way that I'm still getting done all the other things that I want to get done.
0: Absolutely. I was just, I thought about this question and I've been, like, thinking about it. is the Washington Post TikTok team just you, Carmela, and Dave, or are there more people behind the scenes
1: of that? So it's... The TikTok team officially is just me, Carmela, and Dave. Uh, we fall under the umbrella of another video team in the Washington Post's video department, and so the managers of that team are the ones that are um, approving our TikToks. So whenever... So we'll always send TikToks to each other first. Me, Dave, and Carmela will send it to each other and give each other feedback, implement that feedback and then send it up to our managers who then say, This is approved. You can post this. Um so yeah, the team really is the three of us with our two big managers kind of giving final say on whether we could post something.
0: Okay. Interesting. Very cool. One other a little bit broader thing still about the TikTok and like I feel like, you know, with Washington Post and just there's been a lot of other like I feel like news is a TikTok is a big place for news now in a way that I think that has come to rise maybe over the last couple of years with the pandemic and everything. Like, what is your kind of thought behind like TikTok's rise to news? Do you think it's something that I don't even want to label it like good or bad, but like, what are your kind of thoughts on it becoming a really big platform for media consumption? And like, are there any thoughts that kind of go through your head in making each video and like, how do you want to create it?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I agree with your aversion to labeling it like good or bad. I think like in the same way that um, news outlets have adapted to the rise of a bunch of other social media platforms, I think we're going to also need to adapt as an industry to the rise of TikTok. And that's going to mean figuring out what works best in a TikTok news video, what do news outlets feel comfortable doing tonally to kind of fit what a TikTok should feel like or what a lot of people expect a TikTok to feel like. Um, and I think for me, as somebody who, you know, has been brought up as a video journalist, it's really exciting that the, one of the most popular social media apps right now is something that is so video first. Um, and I think, you know, I'm just excited for what possibilities there are to kind of explore things that are kind of out there and things that are really creative about, you know, what works for a journalism TikTok and for a news TikTok, how do we stay true to you know the ethics behind what makes a good news story and a valuable news story and how do we marry that with what makes a good tiktok i think there are a lot of interesting questions there and i i'm just really excited about what answers we could come up with as an industry and i think you know when it comes to the washington post we have a very distinct style that relies you know a lot on you know sketch comedy sounds maybe minimizing for what our journalism is but it is a lot of, you know, sketch style stuff. It's a lot of using trending sounds or even, you know, non-trending sounds that fit a news story. Um that still feels like native to something somebody would do on the app and some like the way that somebody would use a sound to make a TikTok that isn't a news story. And I think that adds a layer of comedy too, because people, you know, even though it is becoming a place for news, I still think that it is funny to see a news story covered in a way that you would see another TikTok creator like approach a video like I think there's a layer of like uncanny valley almost to that where it's like oh I've seen so many other people like dancing to this video just like having fun but you're doing it while talking about like this big important news story um and I think that also raises questions about you know when do we need to get serious and how do we get serious in a way that will still resonate with a TikTok audience. And, you know, we saw that a lot with Russia's invasion of Ukraine, where, you know, we weren't, especially in the early days, we weren't doing, you know, sketch comedy about it. We were doing fact-checking about misinformation circulating on the app, which is, you know, another big thing. As much as TikTok has become a big place for news, it's also become a place where misinformation has spread. And that is, I, th- I think, speaks to the value of having a news presence on TikTok to kind of counter that. Um, I feel like, again, I strayed from the original question. What was it again?
0: I think you really covered it really well. Just like, what is your thought process behind making TikTok videos in like in a new setting? So I think you nailed that on the head. Awesome. Now, that was some wonderful talk about TikTok. And I just kind of want to get into some fun, like general questions that I love to ask everybody on here. Just about educational experiences, life experiences. The first one I really love. This is kind of a two-parter, sort of. It's essentially the first piece is called, like, pass it on. So is there a piece of advice that, like, someone told you that you want to share? And the other one is, like, do you have an ultimate tip for somebody going into, like, college or education or a career or something like that?
1: Uh, One tip that I heard recently, I was at a documentary screening at the Capitol and... I was just like standing around with this one group in a reception after. And this one person was talking about how she had just gone through this career change and how she had always been, you know, she'd never been secretive in her past jobs about how she one day wanted to be doing something different and how she just like kind of went into rooms and would just like speak that and say like one day, like this is my goal to be doing this other thing one day. And then eventually because of that, somebody who she had like passed that on to, Um, heard of an opportunity for her that ended up being perfect for her. And like she was able to make that career shift that she had always dreamed about. And so it's just something that I had never considered because, you know, when I think of the world of like career politics, I always think about like secret maneuvers and like never telling like the people above you like, oh, here's what I want to be doing one day. But it makes so much sense to actually like, you know, build those allyships and like use those to your advantage and tell these people that you trust and that have been helping you throughout your career. Here's what I want to be doing one day, because of course, they might have doors I could open for you one day and would want to help you with that. So I think that's my pass it on is just if you have dreams to be doing something differently than what you're doing now, just kind of try to speak it into existence, because you never know who will pick up on that and who will have an opportunity for you down the line.
0: I absolutely love that piece of advice. I think that's something really, really good, I think, for college students and people who can kind of maybe get a little bit locked into like a major or locked into like what kind of career path a major like pushes somebody down where like that's a really good piece of advice because I think sometimes it's easy to bury that and be like I'll go with the flow of like kind of what the general path is but I think it's still good to air those kinds of be like this is no really what I want to do. So I love that a lot.
1: Totally. Yeah. What was the other half of that question? I'm sorry if I missed it. The
0: other half was basically just like an ultimate tip. Like if you have a really just like big solid piece of advice that you go
1: by. Um. This is not really you know, career related, but I think it is school related. And I think, you know, I had very distinctive high school and college experiences where I do not look back fondly at my high school experience. I do look back fondly at my college experience. And I think, I think one big tip that I would give if I could is to just be intentional about the people that you surround yourself with. And, you know, if you're feeling, you know, like, especially after first coming to college, it's easy to fall in with, you know, like one crowd of people or the first crowd of people that shows like a slight interest in a friendship with you. And I think the thing that made my college experience so great was the people that I chose to surround myself with who became my chosen family. And yeah, I think I would just say like, be intentional about who you surround yourself with and how you do that. If you're not finding your people in the student groups that you're in, go to other student groups. If you're not finding them in your dorm, you know, you don't have to go to as many dorm events or spend as much time in your dorm as you have been. If you're not, if you're, you know, in high school and you're not finding those people, there are social circles outside of your high school that you could explore, like youth groups in your city or town or, you know, community centers, extracurriculars outside of like a school setting, all these things. And that's something that I wish I had, realized earlier is not just like settling for the people who were around me, who kind of made me feel like not good about myself, but actually kind of branching out and seeing, okay, what is it that I want in a friendship and that I want out of, you know, all these connections and how to achieve that and where to achieve that because there's so many ways to do it.
0: That's a phenomenal piece of advice. Yeah. For, for, I think all of life, I think, especially in that high school college world, it's very easy to kind of fall into that. And, you know, I think that everybody has that experience on some level but that is a really 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 good thing to be mindful about Uh, one other thing like kind of going back maybe to like college or in that world like is there a moment from kind of college or that experience that you still kind
1: of think about from time to time i think you know i think this goes back to like the you know chosen family aspect of it all i think that um being like living with my roommates and my best friends during lockdown and kind of hunkering down with them was, you know, I think it was just important for me to find people that I felt comfortable enough doing that with and people that, you know, are still my chosen family today. And so I think a lot about like those days where we really couldn't socialize with everybody else and where, you know, our social lives revolved around, you know, the four walls of our apartment or like in our car and going to like big open air spaces where we weren't around other people. And so I think those are the things that I think about the most are those moments of kind of like, maybe I don't know if like quietness is the right word, but like it felt like the world was kind of small and I didn't mind that because I had the right people with me. And so those moments where it feels like that are the things that I carry with me the most.
0: COVID did a lot of very interesting things with, like, relationships and the way that we, I think, bonded over these things. I, you know, I think the world did feel small. I managed, I was really grateful. I did, like, virtual internships and I met, like, it was funny. I was like, the world was small, but I was engaging with people from, like, across the U.S., like, across the globe, which was incredibly fun. And I think that, yeah, there's something special to, like. I think that was a time where a lot of relationships shifted and those who really came out of that, I think came out of that really strong. Absolutely. Yeah. um, I am also putting together as part of this podcast. I, I love this question a lot that I'm putting together, basically a, a school survival playlist of sorts on Spotify. And I'm curious if you have a song that you'd like to add that, you know, got you through a period of school or life or anything like that.
1: Oh man. Okay. I don't know if I have a specific song, but in high school, I channeled a lot of like my queer teenage angst into listening to a lot of Arctic Monkeys. And so if you like pick any Arctic Monkeys song from like before 2017, that is was probably one of my anthems in high school.
0: I can do that. I will, it'll be on the playlist for sure. (laughs) Yeah, this is pretty much the last question of the interview and and one I always love to ask everybody as well because there's so many great things to come from this. What would you tell your freshman self in high school and your first year self in college?
1: Oh, man, I would tell my freshman self in high school to. There's a lot of things I want to tell my freshman self in high school because he was about to go through it. But I. um, I wish I had entertained the idea of transferring schools more, and I think I'm a person who was and still is very afraid of change, which is something I need to work on, but I think that. I was again, you know, settling for people that I already had in my life, thinking it will be easier if I stick with these people, regardless of how they make me feel. Um, And I wish I'd entertained the idea of, you know, is this setting and are these people actually right for me? Is there somewhere else that I could go Um. Is there any way around this? Are there social scenes outside of my school that I could be exploring? Are there, you know, my own interests that I could be exploring outside of school or that I could just be developing as well on my own and just taking joy in those things. I think I would tell my freshman year self to, yeah, just find ways to distance myself from people that didn't make me feel good and find people that did and, not be, I don't want to tell them to not be as afraid of what change it might bring, but to just kind of like, I hate this phrase, like it's so cliche to say, like lean in, but just like embrace that fear and like see where it leads you. Um, because I think it would have led me to a lot better places than the places that I actually went throughout high school. Um, my first year self in college, I would say, trying to think back to what his life was like, it was, you know, it was a time of trying to figure out, you know, what, not necessarily what do I want my major to be, but like, in journalism specifically, so much of what you get hired off of is based off of like extracurriculars and what you're publishing, not in class, but like in your student publications, or if you're freelancing at all, etc, etc. And I spent a lot of time stressing about, you know, what will be the right place for me to end up in terms of like, what student publication I work for, like, what will my body of work look like, et cetera. And I would just tell him to, you know, like, chill out a little bit. And he could like explore like a couple different, you know, a couple different student groups, a couple different student publications and see what feels right. Um, Because, you know, it's such a big life transition going to college and it feels I've definitely felt this pressure to like have everything fall into place like immediately but that's just not how big life transitions work like you try out different things and you figure out what works and what doesn't and sometimes that process can be hard but again just kind of like embracing that difficulty and embracing that like trying out a bunch of different things and seeing what sticks is I think important and you know, again, I would have said, you know, I keep repeating myself, but just being intentional about the people that I was surrounding myself around because my first few months of college, I was not doing that. I was kind of just going with this flow of people who I knew through like my orientation group or my classes or, you know, these other things, but there were all these other friendships that I ended up making that ended up being super meaningful. And those are the ones that I think are most valuable to me today. And yeah, that's what I would tell myself is just like, not being afraid or nervous to just, like, branch out and see what else is out there.
0: Absolutely phenomenal pieces of advice. Both of those are are great and truly, I think, something that are very important to be shared in, in this kind of world right now. So I, I very much appreciate them. The last final question of the interview is essentially, do you have anything to share or plug or promote? Of course, you know, I'll link all the Washington Post TikTok everything in the description of this video in this podcast, but like anything else.
1: Um I think that's really the only thing I have to plug. You know, watch watch variant cover, watch my other TikToks. Variant cover comes out every other Wednesday um on the Washington Post TikTok account. Um and yeah just follow at Washington Post on TikTok.
0: Absolutely. Totally do that. Please go do that before any do that before you follow anything else that I'm about to rattle off. Um but that brings us to the end of the episode. Chris, thank you so, so much for being on here. Do you have any other kind of parting words or final things you want to say?
1: Um, Just that being a student is hard, especially if you're just starting out in high school or college. And, um, you know, I just like throw so much of my time as a student especially in those early days of high school and those early days of college i was just not really thinking about you know where what other settings could i be throwing myself into to make my experience better i was just kind of like accepting my lot in life and that's something that i wish i could go back and tell myself to not do like think about am i enjoying where i'm at right now and if not where else could i be
0: yeah absolutely thank you again so much for all your wonderful pieces of advice it's been truly a joy to get to talk to you i cannot tell you how excited i've been for this for this conversation i was talking to a friend recently and i was like yeah i get to talk to somebody from the washington post tiktok and they're like is it chris and i'm like yes they're like oh my gosh i love the, the variant cover series and stuff it was truly wonderful so thank you again that. You have been Chris Vasquez. I have been Carter Dvorak. Um, To find Stucco, our Instagram is at stucopod. Our email is Pod at gmail.com. I'm wishing you the best of luck and the best of times in all of your educational endeavors. The student council is adjourned.